Good afternoon and welcome to the Topical City podcast. Uh, I'm here with the usual Etty lads for once. Uh, neither of them ducking their duty this week. Uh, we got James and Richard. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good, mate. Got the band back together. My Harry Kane tattoo's a bit sore. <laughs> but besides from that, uh, yeah, it's healing nicely and I'm uh, happy to be back. Good, good. Uh, I think... Uh, we're going to run a, a tight ship today because uh, James has ordered food without thinking of anybody. <laughs> Not like I rushed home from the train station or anything like that, you know, to, to get here on time. But, you know, it's fine. I dare you have plans. We'll have a quick go through the Etihad's table before we uh, move on. Uh, did you say Etihad's is... then or did I you did. say Etihad again? No, right. I didn't. I didn't sponsor the table, don't worry. <laughs> we have got Dan still bottom minus two. Uh, he has caught up with me a little bit. I'm on minus one with nine. Uh, by the time of this recording, nine more games played. Which <laughs> uh, doesn't code well for me. Uh, James has just clawed himself into positive points thanks to uh, some expert prediction uh, for the PSG game. Uh, he's now on two points. And Richard is barnstorming ahead on five after the Palace game. Uh, are you feeling about your positions at the minute? I just want to say congratulations to James for predict- being the first one of us while recording the podcast to predict a team. So well done, mate. Thank you, mate. I was, I was nearly close with the Palace game as well. I thought there's no way I can get two on the bounce. Um, <laughs> it's more luck than judgment. It's so hard to do. <laughs> the fact that we've handicapped ourselves so much. I think it should be worth more than three points if it's so hard to do, just saying. Well, I was going to say, if it ends up being the only one of the whole season, then maybe <laughs> that's due like some bonus points at the end, but we'll see. Oh, uh... we'll, see. we'll see how close he is to you, I guess, won't we? Exactly, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, before we talk about any games and stuff, um, there was an atrocity this week. I don't know if y'all saw it. What is that third kit? Do you know what? When you said atrocity... Several things came to mind, and that wasn't what that, that's I thought you were going to say. Me. I thought <laughs> so you were going to say about me. today's event. Um, yeah, that kit's fucking awful, isn't it? I've seen, I I've seen a mock up for the second kit, which looks quite nice, though. Mm. So, none of this, these have been confirmed, though, have they yet? Like, no, they normally it's... bang on, aren't they? Yeah, somebody tweeted out something like, There's still the potential that that third quote unquote third kit could end up being like City's training kit. Yeah, I so. and I think that that's quite likely because it looks more like a training kit or something like that, doesn't it? Then a third but kit. It fell alongside other third kit reveals for people yeah. who are uh, done by Puma. Is it uh, Milan, Dortmund, Milan, Marseille, um, Leon? I think are another one. Don't and they say all that the name on thing. this podcast. <laughs> they all had the same thing where it's just the the predominant color, and then it just says the. The club across the chest. They all say Manchester on their chairs, don't they? <laughs> just to reference <laughs> Europe's true champions here. Yeah. Um, it's awful. Uh, and I just, I want to know, I thought it'd be fun to to theorise about what we did to deserve that kind of kit. you think of anything in the last couple of weeks that, that maybe we did that deserves that? <laughs> Puma's also got a deal with Sergio Aguero, right? Maybe they're like, right, we're really fucking punishing these guys for letting this, for letting Serge go. <laughs> In that light, I'm, I'm all right with it. It's clearly like a Super League punishment, isn't it? And sp- it's speak- one of their punishments that only affects us again. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of punishments, if Richard calls it Puma again, that's minus points. Speed up the Puma. <laughs> From England, mate. It's P- 
humour. So after discussing that debacle, we, we might as well say we could have we're recording on the Sunday. We could be we could have won the league by now, uh, but at the time of recording. Uh, but the United fans have stormed onto the pitch at Old Trafford and taken the place by uh, in a siege. Um, so might as well discuss it. Um, is it worth applauding? Is it worth respecting? Is it stupid? What What do you guys think, Richard? So a guy who I work with is a Manchester United fan messaged me and he basically said, like, as I said, so City aren't winning the league today. And he put on there, all protesting, just rolling over and following like sheep. So I think his like accusation there is that Manchester City fans should be doing more after the Super League announcements to cause up a bit of a fuss like they have today. What do you guys think about that? Would you agree with that? Or I think it's right that something needs to be done. However, what I'm seeing coming out of Old Trafford today, I think is opportunistic. Um, where where were these protests during the midweek game? If you know, I saw something on Twitter again, my fountain of knowledge, in that if they had a chance of winning the league today, would they fuck be protesting? It's convenient. People have been locked up for too long, and they're seeing an opportunity to rebel a little bit. And it reminds me of do you remember when there's all that looting in London, and people yeah. were just kind of like. There's certain people that are doing it for a cause and some people that were just like, oh, fuck it, let's get on this and let's, let's rob some shops. Some of the clips we've seen come out of Old Trafford today where they're throwing flares at like the Sky Sports guys and they're just ripping like cameras out and stuff like That's not protesting anything. We've seen plenty of cases. Actually, I say we've seen. There's plenty of examples of peaceful protests that have gone on in London about like student fees and things like that. And they are that, they're, they're peaceful. And this just screams of a load of louts just taking advantage of, uh, you know, a cause when there could be better ways of doing this. The, the sentiment's right, but the, the actions aren't, I don't think. I disagree with you there a little bit, James. I think that obviously people on TV can't ever condone um, protests getting a little bit out of hand, but I don't actually think that peaceful protests do an awful lot. I think that if you're protesting, sometimes you do need to push the boundaries a little bit, obviously, short of like criminal acts and stuff like that. But you do need to push the boundaries a little bit if you're going to instigate change. So I don't really know how I think of it about it, to be fair. I just kind of think that what are they protesting? If, are they protesting the Super League? Are they the protesting place. the owners? Are they protesting, like James said, the fact that they're not winning the Premier League this season? Because... I'd accept the criticism from some Manchester United fans of like City not doing a bit, City fans not playing their part a little bit more if it was all focused on the Super League, but it isn't with them. Like Gary Neville's on TV banging about the Glaciers and how they've been running the football club and stuff like that. So it's obviously a lot more nuanced and it's obviously a lot more Manchester United specific than it is all of the Premier League teams and the Super League. So uh, yeah, I don't think that City fans should get roped into this. But if it was solely about the Super League, I'd have definitely gone to the Etihad on the next Premier League game or the next game that they would have had at home if the Super League was still going ahead. So you heard it here first, Richard advocating the beheading of somebody like David Jones live on national TV in protest uh, against the Glazers and things like that. Who's I, David Jones? 
He's the he's the guy who sits next to Neville and Carragher who who just sort of goads them for an hour and a half. Oh, I don't mind him. You could sit, take <laughs> Neville or Carragher if, if anybody. All right, enough talking about the rags. Let's let's talk about a very very good midweek for for Manchester City. Uh, we managed to get the away win against PSG. We're going to keep the reviews a bit tighter. Um, this week. So, uh, James, have you got uh, anything specific about the game you'd like? I, th- I think it was obvious that we were a bit shell-shocked in the first half and I said on the previous podcast that I was getting a sense of arrogance from PSG and, you know, I feel like they've grown into the, their their ambition a little bit more and rather than being a pretender, they're, you know, at the table, so to speak. And I think that really showed in the first half. Thankfully for us, it fell off in the second half massively and that soft underbelly is still there and I think you know from how quiet Neymar and Mbappe were in that second half it'd be interesting to hear your guys thoughts on is that because City did so well or is that because that's just PSG and they've got a bit of the old typical City about them I think that it was the defence having a really good game again again like you can say what you want about City being poor and did they start off a bit too defensively minded and not get out of our half enough in the first half and stuff? But I thought that Stones and Diaz had another really, really good game. Um, they kept Neymar and Mbappe like quiet in the sense that they didn't do a lot in the game, but Neymar screaming and rolling around on the floor wasn't very quiet for like the entirety of the match. But <laughs> I'd say it was more to do with City's performance than PSG. And I kind of think that in the reviews after the game, a lot of the stuff that I've been hearing is just that PSG were were up in the first half and then let it go in the second half. But I just think that City were too much for them. And I'd put it more on us having a good second half than them kind of capitulating. The thoughts on Twitter specifically after the game were that there was one very specific thing in the second half that turned the game on its head. And that was the introduction of good old Alex Zinchenko. I think we're all big Zinchenko fans here. Uh, but if there's anything specific you might want to say about, I know you specifically, James, like a bit of Alex Zinchenko. Um, how do you feel he played? I mean, it was... Do you uh, think he made that difference that everybody's talking about? Give him the captain's armband from that performance. Like, come on, player of the season. What an assist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Like He, he came on and played well, and obviously he did get the assist for Kev's goal, which he had nothing to do with, let's face it. But I'm just generally really pleased with how he's coming on and the fact that there is serious debate about whether he's starting, you know, the return leg or not now. And that would force out a Cancelo, who's been a great player for us this season. I just think it's a testament to the lad. Yeah, he looked like he was out the door, did he, uh, a couple of seasons ago. No way in hell that he would turn down and move to Wolves to play in his natural position, most likely. Uh, well, do you know, it's an interesting... Sorry to cut you off there, Cam. I was just thinking about that before. And could Zinchenko play left back for any other team? It's almost like it's a specific pep thing. And would he then, if he was ever to be wrong, would he just go and be an attacking midfielder somewhere? Or is he now a left back? Well, I said that the other day. I said that a few weeks ago in the pod. Like, at what point are you just a left back rather than just filling in at left back? Yeah. Because <laughs> what he's played three games in midfield maybe for City. Um, so at what point is he now just a left-back? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in, in the modern game, 
you don't have one position like you might used to have. Where you've got, unless you're Riyad Mahrez, um, where you play on the right wing and nobody else can play anywhere else. But Phil Foden has four or five different positions. Um, Zinchenko can play all up that left side and in the midfield. Jesus can play wing and sit. Like you don't have that anymore where you just don't want. The, the all-purpose player is much more desirable now. But it, is, it does great a bit to hear people say they've got a centre midfielder playing at left-back when he's been playing left-back for three years. So I think you are right, though, James. I don't think he could play left-back for any other team, You know whether that be a Wolves or Manchester United or any of the Etsy lads combined 11 or anything like that. Just no, no left-back there Keep for me. Shot. Just City. <laughs> I think there's a bit of foreshadowing there. Um Richard, do you have anything specific you want to talk about about the PSG again? Just that I think the key ingredient in us winning the game again was luck. It's been something that's been missing from previous seasons and we've had it a lot this season. You think about the Bellingham thing against Dortmund and some of the, uh, like the Rodri missed pass against Gladback and them not being able to take advantage of that, which could have changed the leg a little bit. And yeah, both goals were pretty lucky. You know, they were both skillful in their own way, but you did need that little bit of luck for both of them to go in. So fingers crossed that we can keep that for the second leg as well. So the, the specific question I wanted to ask is, they had to send it off, obviously. Um, we'll talk about whether that was deserved or not uh, in a minute. Um, but they had that send it off. Do you think we sort of settled after that in the game? Or do you think we should have pushed harder for another away goal, put us in the best position we could? Or do you think do you think it was just a send it off and we 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 were still trying to go through because because it, it felt a little bit lax from from what I saw of it. I think we we were pushing for it. I think we could have pushed harder. I think it was like a weird balancing act of actually Pep would have been really happy with that score. Um but for me personally my as those last few minutes were like sort of running down, my heart was racing because I really felt that there was an opportunity to put one foot in the final there. If we'd got one more goal, something that we've never seen before, obviously. And I think the, the anticipation of that was really sort of getting to me and my heart was racing. I, I think it was Pep being somewhat reserved while we didn't throw a kitchen sink at it and we didn't throw an Aguero on, for example. Um, but yeah, I think I think they did push it. They didn't just sit back completely. But we could have gone a bit harder at the same time. Yeah, I kind of agree with James. I, I don't, I'm not sure what more we could have done besides from when you say push it, do you mean like push everybody up front and really put them under some pressure to like pin yeah, them put- back and try and get a goal? But at the same time, like you still you have Neymar and Mbappe on the pitch. You know, they still have the quality, whether they're down to 10 men or not, to hit us on a counter-attack and, and score a goal. So I think that the good thing about the sending off is that he can't now play in the next leg, which is better for Manchester City, uh, that they've got to put in another player there who might not be as good. So I think that's the positive to take from it, rather than any negative that we didn't score again. Under Herrera, aren't they, to come in instead? Uh, the narrative, not the narrative, please. Uh, so, uh, after the PSG game, we had a game against Palace this weekend. I'll, I, I want to specifically ask um, about... Uh, it's not really about the game, but it's about the man of the match of that game, my boy, Big Surge. He's very, very close to breaking that record, that, that one club goal-scoring record. He's two away 
Uh, he's one from drawing with Rooney. Before we talk about it again, I just wanted to ask that debate's come up again about Sergio versus Rooney. And I was I was thinking if you could look at that without the obvious internal bias, what what do you think of that debate? Is it because I can't look at it without any bias? I just physically can't do it. Um, I was hoping, do you think that it, that is a close debate? Do you think Rooney gets overlooked because the, the argument I see a lot is that, which seems ridiculous, but Rooney drops back a lot and was more of a supportive player and still got all those goals. What, what do you think to that argument of Sergio versus Rooney? I, you can't really answer that without any bias, to be fair. I, I think the, the thing that I would pick up about Rooney is that he kind of suffers from was that he had his best years, didn't he, from like being 18 to like 25 uh, to 28 and then started to drop off a little bit and then he went to go and continue his career at Everton and then in the MLS and then back in the championship in England. So I think that you your legacy, quote-unquote, tends to suffer a little bit in the minds of fans if you don't finish your career at that club. So maybe that will happen to Sergio in the future because he won't be finishing his career at City. Like, you just don't know. I think the difference with that, though, is Sergio probably goes to Barcelona. So he's played at three massive clubs in the end. And Rooney diluted his legacy a little bit by, like you say, going to the MLS and stuff. I think it's hard to look at it without a bias and... That bias goes both ways. So obviously I love for Serge, but also our hatred for Rooney. Um, <laughs> but if you were to look at him just as a player with the attributes that he had, you could argue that he was a bit more rounded than Serge in that he did have that engine and maybe his passing was a bit better and his work... Rounded in many ways, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know Sergio changed when Pep came in, but generally, you know, Rooney had that work ethic that maybe Serge didn't have. Uh, a bit more of a, a Sergio and James Milner cross, isn't it? You can understand why people loved him. You can understand why we hated him. And part of that was because of how good he was. Obviously, I'd always pick Sergio, but you can't you can't not call Rooney a good player. Well, let's hope he gets to play the last few Premier League games of the season and get that uh, record. Um, how good was he yesterday? He was brilliant. Um he, I gave him man of the match in the player ratings that I did. I just think that he was top-notch. I'd said to Martin, who listens to the Topical City podcast on Twitter, that it was a really, really poor first half. And the only way that I saw us getting a goal is if Aguero managed to find that half yard of space to be able to actually get a shot off on goal. And then that's what happened in the second half is he is still that good, you know, despite coming back from injury, despite so much time out. To come into a, a heavily rotated city side, yeah, but a city a side with city players who've played far more than him this season, and to get man of the match and to essentially drag City to the finish line and win the three points, I think that just speaks about what a good player he still is now. He seemed to have uh, a bit of drive about him yesterday, where you know some games he comes on and he's a little bit quiet. Where whether it is that record or whether it is because he knows he's leaving but he seemed like he wanted to take the game by the scruff of the neck. And he can't contribute in the ways that he used to, but he's still effective. And that's all you can ask for, for a, you know, a striker his age. Well, one, do you think he'll break the record? And two, do you think he'll get the chance to break the record? Do you think Pep plays him in yes the Premier League games to the end of the season? Yes, to both, for me. I 
think he gets the chance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he, he should be playing, maybe not against Chelsea, but he should be playing every other Premier League game between now and the end of the season. What have we got? Newcastle, Brighton and Everton. Everton. Yeah, I, I think that he gets, he plays those games, whether or not he breaks the record or not, I'm not too sure. You know, quite a few people I saw on Match of the Day, they were still trying to make an argument about should City give him a one-year extension. I think those conversations are just done now. That The problem is he's, he's on massive, massive, massive wages. He'll, he'll have played, what, a quarter of the season? And there's no guarantee that if we sign him on another year-long deal that he's not just out for 30 Premier League games next season. So I think that we just need to, yeah... Uh, I know I started this conversation about it, <laughs> but I think we need to end the conversation about that and just accept that he's leaving and hopefully he can get those records before he, uh, before Sorry, he I, does one. I don't, I don't understand any of that because I don't speak big, stupid idiot. Uh, <laughs> sign, sign Aguero right now, please. Please, I'll pay his wages. I'll find a way. Um, hopefully he does get to play those Premier League games. Maybe it'll be a Stuart Pierce S thing where somebody just gives him a as gives him a gimme for like his last two goals. Jordan Pickford <laughs> last game of the season, mate. Jordan Pickford will, will go up to him and just go, Serge, just put where you want these two goals and, and you you know you can have your record. You can't have Rudy. Was it Newcastle he scored four goals against in one game? Like I reckon that he can probably break the record just in that one game alone. I mean the reality of it is, even if he does break it, Kane's only twenty off as well. Kane's not far behind. So if he does leave, Kane does leave Spurs, then we're, we're golden. If he probably stays a bit longer, which I think he probably would. Are you saying that we sign Kane just to make sure just that keep... Serge <laughs> maintains that record? I've never heard a better argument for it. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> what's um, the, what's there... the game after Chelsea? Newcastle, I think. Right. I'll uh, I'll offer a wager up. Oh. I, I reckon. I reckon. I reckon he breaks. The, if he starts, he he breaks the record at Newcastle. He scores two goals at Newcastle. Yeah. So the bet is that if he starts, so you don't lose any points if he doesn't play. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, I think you've out. got to say Aguero will break the record at Newcastle, or he won't. <laughs> I don't think you could say if he starts. By the end of the Newcastle game, Aguero will have broken the record. All right, I'll take that. I'm happy to give you three points on that. Yeah, I think that's worth three. If 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 you're making it on the assumption that you lose points even if he doesn't play, then that's definitely worth three. I'll I'll, I'll lose one if he doesn't play. No, you won't. You'll lose the same amount. <laughs> right, that's locked in. That's installed. That's in the recording. Can't be changed. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say about Palace in specific that you saw yesterday? Yeah, I think there's a few it's- things to chat about. Go on, Richard. I've got a few, so you go first. I just hate that formation. I, I really don't like it. I don't think that it works. I know that there were, there were a couple of people on, on City Twitter, like this Man City Tactics guy who was like lauding it and praising it and everything. But that first half was just shit. They were using the fullbacks as wingbacks, but in our own half. So they weren't affecting the build-up play at all. They weren't stretching the pitch in the final third. And so everything was just going right through the centre. So it's why Sterling was ineffective and Aguero couldn't get a shot off on goal and, and Gabriel Jesus was struggling. So I, I just don't like that. And hopefully once we've got the PSG game out of the way, we can settle into some sort of rotation where we can carry on playing our usual 4-3-3 with some creative midfielders in there. I, I specifically hate how 
Cancelo is is being told to just be a standard wing back now. Like he's he's not making that that second part in the midfield, especially yesterday because it was a double bit. But he's not heading into the midfield anymore to shore that up. And I don't know why we stopped doing it. Is that not when a symptom the of the players sheet, around sorry. him? In terms of, like you say, there's a double pivot there. So he can't do it when there's a double pivot and he doesn't do it when Mendy plays. So most of the time at the minute, except for, or I suppose the other option is in a massive game like PSG when you've got Mbappe there. So in, in reality, it's just the situations have led to him being a more standard wing-back. And actually, when things settle our next season again, he will go back to the inverted. I hope so. Uh, James, what else you had... did you want to say about the Palace game, James? <clears throat> Um, so it was individuals, to be honest. I just wanted, I had a few things. So, firstly, I thought Fernandino was excellent again. Like, I really hope he doesn't leave because he's just showing class every time he plays. Shout out to uh, Nathan Ake, who was quietly really effective. And in the second half, there were a couple of blocks, and the way he, the way he throws his body around, I'm not by any stretch saying it's the same level, but he just gives me company vibes. There's just something about him. I don't know if it's like how assured he is and how calm he is, but the, the way he's willing to throw his body in the way is something. I just really like the guy. And then lastly, uh, Ferran. I've, I've been a bit mixed on him. Like he, I've given him the benefit of the doubt. And he does, we've said it on it several times, the way he drifts into our games and he can be quite ineffective. But I, there's something about him when he gets a bit pissed off that I like, that he seems to have a bit of drive about him and that gives me the confidence that he will come good and that there's a bit more mentality there and he could be an absolute monster when he gets settled and he's had a couple of years under Pep and he could really explode, I think. And maybe that's the mentality that Sané didn't have. You know, he had all the talent, but he didn't necessarily have the drive and Ferran maybe doesn't show the same amount of talent that Sané did early doors, but I definitely think he's got a stronger mentality and you know drive to get where he wants to be. I'd agree with you definitely on Fernandinho and Ake. I, I thought they were fantastic. Ake, especially towards the end of the game, because mm-hmm. most of Palace's attacks were coming down the wings early on. So he didn't he was playing in that central defensive role, so he didn't necessarily have a lot to do. But then in the second half, when they started getting a little bit more of the ball and attacking centrally, he was just imperious. He was great. I thought that he had a fantastic game. And just uh, I thought that once it was brought to my attention that Mendy had a good game by everyone who was slagging me off for rating him a six on <laughs> on Twitter. Once it was brought to my attention that he had a good game, I realised that I was wrong. And, and he, he was really good as well. He got that Sergio assist, but then there was the first half chance where he cut the ball back and crossed it in on his right as well. So good game for him too. So giving Pep something to think about in the matches to come, I think. On Ferran, he's he's quietly had a good first season, and he broke double digits. Like we yeah. do think he's he drifts in and out a lot, but for a first season in a brand new team, playing in a very unique way, and he's had COVID, he and he's that. he's been away from home, not seeing his family. There's loads of elements to it, and he actually started crying, didn't he, when he scored the goal? And we don't we don't know what that's for, but if you presume that that is a just a release of emotion with everything that's gone on. He hit his toe really hard on the ball, didn't he? And I think it just uh, upset him. It's Cameron's old 18-month guarantee. Give the player 18 months and then he'll be absolutely incredible. Should make um, him I'd... bets, mate. 
<laughs> mentioning about what I was supposed to say that Ferran Torres will be great you know, in oh, like he'll, he'll <laughs> return um, his amount of uh, goal contributions for example no, we'll see we'll see I need points now not in the later time of the minute um, speaking about Ake so it sounds like Pep uh, is going to have a, quite the defensive conundrum on his hand next year if they all stay, if all of our centre-backs stay fit um, to me the most obvious way of of keeping everybody happy is obviously rotate your pairs of centre-backs. And the way that works smartest for me is obviously a left-sided and a right-sided in each pair. That's Ake and, I don't know, Stones and then Laporte and Diaz. But also Diaz and Stones are incredible together. So how how do you think Pep works for centre-backs next season in in the best way that he could? Knowing Pep, one of them plays left-back or right-back or further up the pitch, it's... (laughs) It's kind of impossible to predict, isn't it? Do you know, there's a weird thing in that when we're in attacking transitions, we almost look like we have the the one very deep sitter. So it's Ake uh, this weekend. Um, but in general play, because the wing-backs go so high and you'll see Rodri drop back a little bit, it's almost like we've got a triangle of a back three. So in theory, you could see someone like Stones sitting a little bit ahead. I'm not necessarily saying he's a defensive midfielder, but you could just see him as that triangle. He could be the head of that triangle because he's got the passing range and that might be a way to fit him in. Alternatively, there's the old three at the back argument or five at the back, depending on how you look at it. And we would get three of them in there, which is kind of how we started against Palace, wasn't it? Feels like he always starts a season trying out like a, a three back or a five back. Um, so, Maybe that's the way. I, I'm not against it, um, saying vehemently a John Stones DM might be a way to go <laughs> with a bit of training, especially the way he's been making forward moves in recent games, mm-hmm. uh, the Leeds game and things like that, specifically when his, his passing and his attack has been on point. So I'm not against that. Uh, Pep did try it, that a couple of seasons ago, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. But his confidence was shot when he did it. It might be interesting now to see him as more of a presence in the team. It's a nice conundrum to have. I think we can all say that. It's to have, instead of having no good centre-backs, to have four is, is a nice place to be in. Um, and let's not think, forget Eric Garcia. Well, we've still got him as well. Oh, yeah. So we've got four good centre-backs. <laughs> um, right, I think we've talked about uh, the past enough. Uh, we'll take a break and then we'll get into uh, the debate after this. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast disagree with anything you've heard don't forget to let the etilads know at topical city pod on twitter right we're back uh back after that message from our sponsors um we are into our weekly debate as always and because it's my turn again we revisit the debates from a couple of weeks ago where we tried to find out the james and richard combined 11 um, just to clarify again, James, this is not a team of people who have James or Richard in their name. <laughs> um, it's just your your combined team. Um, so I, th- I was going to do both centre-backs this week, but I thought it'd be a little bit boring. So we are going to do uh, a centre-back and another position. So we'll start with that one. James and Richard, which right-sided centre-back deserves to be in your combined 11? Uh, and I think we'll start with James. So I've gone for the man, the legend, that is Colo Torre. 
just uh, in terms of like on the back of a fag packet, some of the, the great things to come out of Colo Torre's recent career is the drugs ban for six months because he took his wife's diet pills. The moment at 93.20 when he went to celebrate with Mancini and Mancini just ran straight past him and he awkwardly put his hands back in his pockets. The fact that he got caught cheating on his missus because he was claiming to be a car salesman and there's that infamous photo of him behind the shower curtain getting busted and then he went to like marry his wife like the week later or something. The fact that he came from our great feeder club that is Arsenal and uh, I read a little story about him where uh, he went on trial with Arsenal and in that trial he managed to two-foot Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp and Arsene Wenger and they still signed him because they liked his passion. I mean, if you, if you think about it like that, how can this man not be in our eleven? Good old Francois. All right, uh, Richard, what about you? Well, I'm not going to pick an Arsenal legend. I'm not going to pick a Liverpool legend. I'm going to pick a Manchester City legend and I'm going with... Vincent Company. So if you want a reason why I'm picking him, we can go the stats route and we can say he had 11 seasons for the club, seven of those as captain, 94 clean sheets during that time in the Premier League, 20 goals in all competitions. If you want moments, I can say that there was the goal against Manchester United in 2012 that put us in the driving seat towards winning the Premier League for the first ever time there. You can say the screamer, against Leicester City, which won us that title in 2019, effectively. And then if you want a reason why to put him in this team specifically, look at who we've already got in the squad. We've got Sunji Ai and we've got fucking David James. <laughs> Vincent Company knows how to make other people look good. He did it with Julian Lescott, he did it with Nicolas Otamendi, and he did it with Colo Torre as well. So that's why I'm going with Manchester City legend, the miracle worker, Vincent Company. Just to check, you guys know that neither of those players played between 2001 and 2004, right? <laughs> That's exclusively the reason why I'm not going for Richard Dunn. But you could <laughs> make all of those arguments for Richard Dunn, and maybe I will for the next time. Uh, so, we've heard the good. I want to see some mudslinging. James, can you tarnish Vincent Company's legacy? <laughs> I was on mute. <laughs> uh, we were saying before that uh, we either tarnished the player or the Etihad, and on this occasion I'm going straight for the jugular with the Etihad. the spirit of this debate is not about who's the best player this is about appealing to Cam in terms of like he loves a story he loves a character Richard's gone the really lazy route just picking our best ever centre back that's not what this is about so otherwise we'd have the likes of Zaba at right back or we'd have Edison in net we're picking these players because we're making it an interesting City eleven rather than just, oh, here's the typical best City eleven. And like I said, it's about funny stories and some of the shit that Colo Torres got up to. Vincent Company was the model citizen. There's, there's no character coming out of that. And just, Ooh, just, just, you're just saying talk, he doesn't have any character, James. No, in terms of funny stories. Um, and in terms of funny stories, Colo Torres gave me the great moment of uh, when I was at the, the Etihad a few years ago, my cousin uh, was sat a few rows in front of me and I was chatting to her and she, she was going on about Torre and she said, bloody hell, he gets about a bit, doesn't he? I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, one minute he's in front of the keeper, one minute he's up there scoring. I said, what are you talking about? 
And she said, yeah, he's just, he's just everywhere. I said, you know, there's two of them, don't you? And she said, oh, I just thought he got about a bit. Well, he does. So he <laughs> gets about a bit on his missus. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. That's why uh, the character that is Colo Torre deserves a place in our alternative Man City eleven. My argument, Cameron, there would be that these two things aren't mutually exclusive. Like, it doesn't have to just be uh, because company was City's at greatest ever centre-back that you can't include him in this squad as well. You know, I've already gone through all of the moments that are included there. Those are the emotional tugs that are needed to include him in the team. You don't need all of these funny moments. It didn't work well enough for Micah Richards to get in the team, did it? So I think that it still works in the argument for picking Vincent Company, And I think that mainly the reason why James has gone for Colo Torre is because he wants that shit Yaya Torre and Colo Torre chant going on about the team. And for me, that shit just needs to be left in the alley pally. This doesn't belong in, in James and Richard's Manchester City combined 11. James and Richard's combined 11 is too good for the Yaya, Yaya, Colo, Colo chant. If, that, if it's um, the case of just doing that, then... Cam, you can fill in the graphic with the other 11 players if we're just picking the best 11. I thought this was supposed to be a bit of an interesting debate, not a boring one. Right. It'd be interesting to see your argument for the next guy if you're, uh, if you're trying to do it off the back of they can't be good to be in the team. That's not what I said. <laughs> That's exactly I'm, what you said. No, I'm calling this. I'm calling this because I have something very specific to say. Um, when I started this three weeks ago, which to be fair is a long time, um, it wasn't that it wasn't about the best it was that it didn't have to be about the best and it didn't have to be about the worst that it did it was literally technically it's whatever you guys want it to be <laughs> technically it's the james and richard combined 11 so it can be the best it can be the worst it can be the so you're best. telling me i could have picked richard edgel this whole time <laughs> well if you argue i'm strong enough it can be anything you want uh really the parameters are set by you uh by the choices that you make i mean colo's funny isn't he He's just Francois. You didn't even mention his name. <laughs> and even then, France, he's a Premier League. I can only assume player. you thought that was the cliche, maybe, James. Uh, well, oh, there are no cliches. There are no cliches for that. That would have been the cliche, would have been Francois. Oh, I, I purposely kept, kept my mouth shut when you started talking about the chance. You I'm, know, there's no cliches. I've forgotten. <laughs> okay. Well, there aren't any for the next debate. I don't know how I'm supposed to not save Vincent Company. It's, it's the moment. It's the answer. It's the answer. And it, well, Occam's razor, isn't it? The easy, <laughs> easy answers usually. Right? It's the moment. Hopefully, easy the... options never stops you before, as it can. <laughs> it's the it's the moment. It's, it's the United goal. It's the face after the United goal. It's that goal against Leicester where we we always talk about it. Even last week, we were talking about John Stones almost had one if he dared to shoot. Um, so. It's a good argument, James, but I'm afraid Vincent Company makes it into your combined eleven against your will, I'm afraid. Uh, as much as you didn't want him anywhere near it, as much as you were saying to me, if Col Vincent Company gets in my team, I'll I'll hate it for the rest of my life. He's getting in there, I'm afraid. I was going to say, I was uh, reserving him for our all-star best ever team that's just about top quality players. There's just nothing else. Well, that's on <laughs> <something> the <you>. both. <laughs> I can only assume while your mic was muted, mate, that you were saying that you were going to tear his statue down as soon as it's built outside the ground. <laughs> it's, going, it's, it going, it's, going, on sorry, it's going next to a Sunji High statue, right? Well, if it's up to me. Yeah. 
China. Right. It's in the box. Vincent Company playing right-sided centre-back in this eleven. Let's not talk about the left-sided centre-back, but we'll stay in defence. I believe you both have, have made a gentleman's agreement not to pick the one you know I would pick. Yes. <laughs> the one you know would win. Um, which left-back that isn't Nicholas Jensen <laughs> is going <laughs> in the Jays of Richard combined 11? Off you go, Richard. So I'm going for the one and only Michael Tarnak. I want somebody in our squad that can score Thunder Bastard free kicks. And that is essentially the only reason why I'm picking this guy. <laughs> I want any time there's a free kick, whether it's in our own penalty area, whether it's in the centre circle or whether it's anywhere near the opposition's penalty area, I want him on the end of it. He scored the Thunder Bastard against Blackburn Rovers, against Leicester City and against Aston Villa, all in the one season that he played from the club. I don't want any of these little dinky, beautiful-looking curling kicks right into the top corner from the likes of Yaya Torre or David Silva. I want that. It's going to blow your fucking cock off if the ball like even comes anywhere near <laughs> your dick while that's going towards the back of the net. That's if he'd have took that kick against PSG midweek, it went straight through the wall. <laughs> Would have knocked the PSG player all the way back and then <laughs> through the net. <laughs> wow. All right, Michael Tarnett, I'm a fan. James, you picked somebody I'm also a fan of. Yeah. Uh, in equal regard, I'd say. So it's a very even debate. Who have you gone for? So just before I tell you mine, just want to ask Richard that... If you're just looking for someone who can hit a thunder bastard, surely you've gone for someone that would have played for City a lot longer, maybe won some titles, maybe called Kolarov. Like it seems like you've just gone for a weak option there. Anyway, not the, anyway, not the best, not the best. He he does he did and does what Tarna did and more. Anyway, I've gone for. So why haven't you picked him? Because that wasn't the parameters <laughs> for me. You picked someone that could hit a thunder bastard and. There's, there's a more successful Thunder Bastard hitter. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the life and times of uh, one Alex Zinchenko. Just imagine some like soft music. You can add it in the edit. Through the want, keyhole. Richard. Are we, are yeah, we through the keyhole yeah. in Zinchenko? <clears throat> so just, just picture a little little blonde boy with a football just stood on his own when none of his teammates had passed to him because he was too good and he's left out of the little matches they'd have together. This young lad grew up but had to leave the Ukraine because of the war. And he didn't have a club for five months, so he was then out on the street training by himself again for five months. And he eventually got a chance at this uh, rubbish little Russian club where he finally got to kick a ball with some people and some people just like passing to him again. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, the beautiful Man City showed up and paid a measly 1.7 million for him. You know, at the time we all thought, oh, this is just a CFG signing. And of course he was, and he got loaned out to PSV and he had a little success there. But then he came back and he was asked to cover left back. And it turns out he's all right at it. And as we were saying earlier on, at what point does a left back become a left back? When he's won three league titles, which he will do within a couple of weeks. As well as that, you've got to look at this guy's attitude. He's thrown in at left back having never played there. He didn't complain, he didn't throw his toys out the pram. He grafted, he developed, and he proved that that little boy with the ball from Ukraine deserves a spot within this team of superstars. Oh, I mean, I'm going to put the most romantic. Like, <laughs> I thought I was Jinchenko's biggest fan here, but 
Can't, can't, can't bring it up wars, you, don't you, James? <laughs> <laughs> can't totally bring it up players who've been in a war. Hey, it works, right? <laughs> Go on, Richard, tear down Alex Zinchenko if you dare. I love Oleg Zinchenko, so I don't think I can tear him down. The only thing that I'd say is Michael Tarnat was a German international. He knows what it's like to play football at the biggest stage for the biggest countries, not being the captain of some Ukrainian puppet state like Zinchenko is. I've listed some of the big moments that Tarnat's had for Manchester City. And there's some more as well. There was getting Gary Neville wound up enough during a Manchester derby in the FA Cup to get him sent off, which was brilliant. And then he went on to uh, score a brilliant goal in that, which was a volley inside the penalty area, Nicholas Jensen-esque. So I'd suggest you go and look that up, Cameron, because if you've forgotten that one, it is a rival to Nicholas Jensen's volley. And the only th- other thing that I'd say on Oleg Zinchenko is what are his big moments, like specific moments for Manchester City? Getting sent off against Spurs, not being good enough to play in his actual position in the team. I don't think that those are good enough to warrant being in Richard and James's combined Manchester City 11. There was a big moment for Zinchenko in the last week where he assisted a Kevin De Bruyne a goal against PSG in a semi-final of the Champions League. Um, but just, just talking about Michael Tarnar, he was all right, but nothing more than that. And clearly Keegan thought that as well because he didn't keep him for more than a year. And he actually left the club with no senior left-backs and still chose to get rid of Tarnar. I think that says a lot, Cam. I don't think that's true because it wasn't that Keegan's last season. So Keegan didn't get rid of him. He got rid of himself. No, the contract wasn't renewed. Keegan decided to do it, supposedly. <laughs> him, him and oh. Danny Tiato. Fly on the wall. In the yeah, game. I, I, according to the MEN article I read before. So, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to ding the bell. Just to set something straight here, Kolarov could not hit a free kick sweeter than Michael Tarnat. That is just not, not a, a truthful point. I think you both, other than that travesty of an argument, um, <laughs> argued quite correct, quite well. Uh, I think, I think you're right. Intala does have more individual moments to like him for, and I think so Zinchenko. Far. Well, I, I, well I'm we're not, not doing it. I'm not a clairvoyant, so I can't see. I mean, one thing you could have mentioned, James, and it would have been a cliche if if you uh, if it was a normal debate, is uh, he broke the trophy? Just so I'm clear, as the bell rang, yeah. But everyone's well, yeah, broken no cliche, a trophy at some no, but point. Just, Fernandinho the bell has that so Carabao much. Cup trophy on like last weekend, and it was already <laughs> broke. Like the thing had been glued down to the thing, so he was just <laughs> left with the the actual chalice part. There was no base. So I cannot so, be judged now. You've made your decision, yeah. I, I've got yeah. They won't be taken into account. Are you going to call me like a slur or something? Oh, here we go. And the rapids. Yeah. There you go. Michael Tarnock can't um, rap. There you go. That would win the points. For me <laughs> if I, was it. Um, I thought it could swing it either way. <laughs> I do have a winner. I do have a winner. Uh, and it's Nicholas Jensen. So uh, here he goes. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's going to be Alex Zinchenko. It is the plucky underdog story. It's the Jimmy Grimble story that we all love. Uh, isn't it? So uh, yeah, Michael Tarnock was... It, again, it's the two best people you could have picked outside of the best person. 
pattern for me. I'm interested to know, Richard, I think you picked Tarn out with me in mind. Would you have picked somebody else if somebody else was judging it? I didn't pick Tarna with, with you in mind, to be honest. But I was looking through it like, uh, yeah, who do I want to make an argument for? And obviously I chose, I, I had an, in mind to pick Vincent Company, but I was I did think about James, what James said, like, is it a bit of an easy choice? But I wanted to make the arguments for Michael Tarna because I wanted to watch back those free kick goals to just make sure I'd gotten <laughs> right who he scored them against. And then I stumbled across the FA Cup game as well. So, no, I, I did want to argue for Michael Tarnat more than anybody else. Did you I didn't think it was you thinking of. Uh, well, I, yeah, it was going to be Tarnat or Jinchenko. So, a bit of background on that is that because I couldn't be asked making my mind up a lot sooner, I said to James, you, you can have the first pick on that. So, when you picked Jinchenko, it kind of made my mind up for me. Oh, but he's the, he's the one I would have gone with. And you did argue that well uh, better than me. So, no, no quabble there. It I is a bit hard that, uh, that nobody did pick Kolarov, I thought. Um, that, that was a, a quite a strange one for me. It wasn't even an option for me. My other option was Stuart Pearce. <laughs> I thought there's as so much nice negative as there is yeah, positive yeah. well uh, I think it was very well argued and I'm, a, I'm excited to see this team shaping up uh, so just to recap at the moment got David James in net uh, good old Sunji Hyatt right back <laughs> Vincent Company playing at right centre back and now joining that lineup of legends is Alexander Zinchenko Uh <laughs> So it's the 0102 Manchester City team versus the uh, combined with the 1819 Manchester City team. <laughs> At least it's proof we've been going for about six years longer than everyone says we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that was fun for me. I hope it was fun for you guys. Uh, we'll take another break and we'll come back and talk about the other games. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. Right, back again. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, two upcoming games, two quite difficult games, uh, I think, coming up. Uh, one is a Champions League game one possibly might be later down the line uh, we'll start with PSG and the first thing I specifically want to ask has Serge played himself into a starting spot on Tuesday? Not for me no. Alright cool thanks because uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this and obviously I'm doing the lineup first on Tuesday and I was I was literally just going to pick James's lineup from the other day because I'm fairly certain that team's going to play. But Serge is creeping in for me. Um, it, the, you can take Guardiola's comments as just being respectful about Serge after the game. But there was a hint of maybe he plays, maybe he gets a game on Tuesday. But you guys just think that that's absolutely no chance of that happening. I think I might have touched on it before when we when we said about how good he was at Palace, but I don't think this is the game for Sergio. I think it could be if we then need to score a goal in extra time or bring somebody on to take penalties or like we find ourselves behind and we need to get back into things. Maybe it should be considered then, but I actually think the false nine thing and flood in the midfield plays a lot more into our hands being 2-1 up than if we were going to start a striker. 
completely agree. I think Pep's not that reactionary. And if anything, what his response to Serge at Palace, is, uh, Palace was, is now that he sees Serge as an option that can come on and do something, whereas maybe he didn't think that before. This team is a machine at this point, and I don't think he needs to throw. And I don't mean Aguero is a complication, but just the fact that it changed the way we play. He, he doesn't want to throw a complication in the mix there. Yeah, I think there are other players who are more likely to break into the squad for that one than Sergio. Well, speaking of that, that was my next question. Who do you think is more likely to break into the squad than Sinchenko? Just do you want us to just give you some more ideas, Cam? As, yes, uh, I want you to get the line up right up behind. <laughs> For me, it's it's Zinchenko, yeah, and maybe Fernandinho because Rodri played the whole 90 minutes against Palace and he took Ferner off after, like, 65, despite him being, like, the best player on the pitch for Manchester City, except for maybe Sergio in that game. So that made me think, is he going to play Fernandinho? And Rodri has been making some mistakes in these Champions League games. Mm-hmm. I mention it all the time, but that Mönchengladbach one really sticks in my craw because it was just completely unnecessary and City got away with it. And I don't think he's been... He wasn't great in the first leg against PSG. He wasn't great in the games against Dortmund either. If there's somebody who can drop out of the squad, it's Cancelo and Rodri. I agree. I think Rodri has had at least one big mistake in him in each of these Champions League games recently. Maybe it's an age thing, an experience thing. He's still fairly young, isn't he? And maybe it is that the nerves get to him a little bit. Yeah. I always forget he is as young as he is. He looks like some sort of mafia don, like some aging mafia guy. <laughs> so, uh, just note to self, pick Fernandinho, don't pick Sergio. Great. Uh, okay. <laughs> we sort of addressed this last week, but on the after a 2-1 win and the importance of the game and keeping a defensive shape, probably, um, so we don't let them have an away goal, maybe you've changed your minds, but... Do you think we do need to set up a bit differently or is it again just we go again with what we've got? We've shown it works. Like for me, this is a massive game of chess now and we've shown in that previous game that this setup works and they've shown that their best setup doesn't work and that'll be in all 22 minds on the pitch there. So I think it's a position of power that we're in so we should try and keep it as similar as possible. Yeah, I'm worried that Pep might overthink it but I think we need to put that aside now I don't think there's any way that he does it it could be a case where he plays the same formation that he did against Palace just so that we've got more players at the back to to really crowd out our area but I don't think that would be wise I think it would be the same to do what we've what we've done that's got us to this point and that's the 4-3-3 false nine cool Uh, is there anything specific you'd like to mention about PSG and the game coming up any any thoughts that specifically living rent-free at the moment? I hope that we score first because we've gone behind a couple of times now in these games. And yeah, it's great to have a good a team that's good enough to come back and overcome that setback. But I think with us being 2-1 up and PSG knowing that they need to score two goals, I really think that the first goal is going to be crucial. And if they get it first, then it could inspire them to just proper go for our throats and really get that second. If, if PSG get that first and then it's 2-0, then fucking hell, we, we've got to then score just to get it to extra time and the tables have turned. I think they're going to fly us. 
I, I expect them to get the first goal. I think they're going to go ape shit and just full, full guns blazing at us. And it's about how we react to that. And if anything, it might actually help us if we can get them on the break. But that's where, for example, Aguero wouldn't work because he's not got the pace to... Actually, why am I convincing Cam not to put Aguero on his team? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. You, you turned me off. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel more confident when I know a team's going to be coming out of. Yeah, but not with Neymar and Mbappe. <laughs> like, that's too well, yeah, yeah. But, but midweek, you know, you were saying before, what did they do? Um, the, yeah. the referee as well is the one who refed our nil-nil draw with Porto at the Etihad earlier in the season. And if you remember that game, Porto were just being like dicks throughout the entirety of it, throwing themselves to the ground whenever they got the opportunity, screaming for fouls, and then trying to get our players sent off at the same time. And I don't think that the referee managed it well. I actually think that he he was one of those these European referees that you get that can be really, really soft every time that they give a foul, which is exactly what we don't want with Neymar on the pitch. So... I am a little bit concerned about that as well. I think that if you're going to be blowing the whistle for every every time your opponent breathes on you, then we're probably going to struggle with this. Not that we don't have some divers in our team, though, too. Maybe it's worth me chucking out a, a penalty wager midweek. See if I can get, <laughs> get Okay. Um, well, Chelsea's after that. Uh, we could, depending on when United and Liverpool gets rearranged, that could be the day we sew up the league. It would have been nice to do that before the game midweek so we can pretty much play without uh, any any worry in the Premier League. What have we got to do different as to a, as opposed to what we did in the FA Cup, do you think? Play a better team. Yeah, play a better team, yeah. <laughs> Literally, like, you'll want some of that rotation in just because it, it seems like Pep's trying to keep all of the players happy now uh, towards the end of the season, making sure everybody gets a bit of game time. But the, the game after that is like Newcastle or Brighton. So whoever starts against PSG, I think, should be starting against Chelsea as well. Play the best team and that might be the test for the Champions League final. Who knows? I don't think I'd, uh, I don't think I'd go full strength. I'd rotate, but I don't think I'd go full strength. I suppose we'll see that reflected in your lineups, won't we? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it is Chelsea, it's impossible not to talk about the possibility that we will be playing them another time this season. I don't know about you, I would much prefer to be playing Madrid yeah. if we get through. Richard, do you? would you rather play Madrid or Chelsea if we got through? Madrid. I know that you can say that they're like the experts in the competition and they know how to get it done, but we've struggled against English teams in this competition enough now to know that we don't want to come up against any of them if... if if we can't, I'm obviously there's nothing we can do about that, but I'd much rather go up against Madrid. I, I think that their squad is a lot weaker than it has been in seasons past. And honestly, I think that Tuchel's a better manager too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather play Madrid. I think we're all in agreement there. I think I, I've not wanted to play Chelsea since as far back as the quarter, third, like the round of 16, when we were guessing who was going to play who. So it, it's just horrible. And I think especially if we lose in the Premier League, losing to them twice in the last three weeks and then playing them in a final is is got to be very demoralising and got to play on the mind of it. So hopefully if we do play them, we beat them in the league and hopefully we beat them in the league we don't play them whatsoever. We'll have to see. Um, 
But then again, if, if Madrid beat Chelsea, that experience pulls through for him. Maybe we don't want to play that experience in the final. It's a horrible side of the draw either way for me, but I know I'd much prefer to play Madrid. How are you feeling about the Premier League game? Do you think we'll win? Do you think it'll be KG? Do you think it'll be think we'll lose? Nobody's predicted a loss yet on the Topical City podcast. How do you think Chelsea will go? There's not been a lot of time to process it because in theory, we could have already won the league by that point based on, you know, if, if the protests at Old Trafford hadn't happened today. So I'd not really worried about it too much because in my head, I thought we'd have already had the league sewn up, which we have, let's face it. But there is that underlying added extra, like you say, of we could be playing in the Champions League. So there's just a bit of seasoning on top of that match that could make it a little bit tasty. Yeah, I don't know if I'm that asked about it. If we're not, <laughs> like James says, that's the seasoning to me. That's the whole meal. If we're not playing them in the Champions League final, then I'm not really, it's a rubber game, isn't it? Like they, they can might as well do all of the rotation and stuff. But I think if we are playing them in the final, touch wood that we get to the final, that we might want to play a really strong squad just to set a marker down for it, put a bit of fear into them. Mind games. It's all about the mind games. Okay, uh, is there anything specific you want to say about Chelsea? Uh, if not, we could just wrap this baby up. The only uh, thing I'd say, which is what I keep, <laughs> I keep thinking about this when I see him play, could you not see Zinchenko becoming an uh, Aspilicueta type player? For me, just... In centre-back, third-right-back? No, just in terms of, I don't know, the, the way that he's become a leader. Like, I could genuinely see Zinchenko being like a, a future City captain. Um, just the way he runs like there's just something about Aspilicueta that reminds me of Zinchenko or vice versa I can't say I'm giving it too much thought pal to be honest what, watch <laughs> it watch the next time you watch Chelsea play just have Zinchenko in the back of your mind the shades of it I'm telling you I we've think got if you a were... lot of um, potential future City captains in exactly, our team yeah, I think, really, don't if we? I was thinking of a list of potential like I think De Bruyne is probably the next captain mm-hmm. uh, for well he's just signed till 2026 so I think he's probably the captain for the next five yeah. years. And then... Diaz, 27. Diaz or Foden <laughs> next. <laughs> so I, I think... Uh, I, I don't see it, but... like you said, I don't, I don't mean he will be. I just mean that he... he to me... The potential the, there, yeah. Yeah, he has the but right you, attitude. And... You've made your wager that Zinchenko will be City captain. Uh, <laughs> Long-term best. He is. Uh, we'll 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 come back to that. Should it not happen, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll close out. Then we'll finish with uh, the Etihad's table. And I've just realised how much I've screwed myself by not by eliminating gal cliches from my specific episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all in the name of enjoyment and debate. Um, so I'll I'll take it on the chin. But uh, the bottom of the table has not changed. Me and Dan are still there. Uh, James has got a point. He's on three. Uh, Richard has got a point. He's on six. Um, so I'm going to have to pull some wages right out of my ass if I want to get anywhere near you. Um, you'll see scores and lineups on Twitter at Football City Pod midweek and a bit closer to the Chelsea game. It's goodbye from him and it's goodbye from him and it's goodbye from me. Uh, we'll leave you there. Sunji, bye. Sunji, bye. Up the blues.